I couldn't help but just stand out. So I lived in Italy five years. When I arrived there, one of our mentors told me and my classmates not to be obnoxious Americans and gave us this whole lecture on how we need to be respectful of the culture, the custom, the language of this country we're living in for several years as residents and as guests. So I really tried to follow that and tried not to stick out like an annoying, obnoxious, loud American tourist. I learned the language, I learned the customs, and I tried to really live that way. And yet, despite my best efforts, I always stood out. When I spoke Italian, I always had this American accent. I didn't even learn the hand gestures to go along, and still everyone knew I wasn't Italian. Most obvious was my orange hair. <laughs> one half of 1% of Italians have red hair, one out of every 200. And so my height is kind of tall by, by Italian standards with the orange hair sticking up high above everybody else. And of course my pasty complexion didn't help either. The sun would turn my skin a nice pink or red, or even the ginger Italians get that nice olive tan. I couldn't help but stand out, even when I was with friends. All Italian, except me, sitting at a table, all speaking Italian. The waiter would stop at me and just start speaking English at me, knowing that I was an Anglophone, even though I was surrounded by Italian but I was speaking Italian. I thought of those moments of just standing out, not being able to hide that I wasn't like the rest of them, when I was thinking about today's gospel. Because there was this group of people who stood out. This group of Greeks were in Jerusalem for the Passover. This was one of the great pilgrimage feasts of the Jewish people. So the city would be packed full of Jewish people who were very Jewish. And then in the midst of them was this group of Greeks who would have stood out. But today's modern standards, the city of Jerusalem would have been rather small. It was about one square mile. So think the main campus here at the University of Toledo. And usually there was tens of thousands of people living there in Jesus' time. But for Passover and other major feast days, the city would swell and have hundreds and hundreds of thousands of people there for the celebration. Again, mostly all very Jewish people, very devout. And in the midst of them today, we heard there was this group of Greeks. In fact, you notice how John's Gospel just calls them a group of Greeks. Apparently the way they were talking and acting made it obvious they weren't Jews and that they were from Greece, or at least their roots were from Greece and their ethnic background. And they come to Jesus today. They want to see Jesus. And they have this encounter with Philip and then Andrew. And they ask, we want to see Jesus. There's a few lessons I think we can learn from this scene today. The first is the importance of being ourselves. Realizing that if we accept our own uniqueness, we can be a bridge for other people to encounter God. God made each of us different. Different talents, different gifts, different ethnic backgrounds. And that's a really good thing. God uses this diversity amongst us 
to help other people encounter God. The Greeks today asked a really important question. And in response to that question, Jesus said, my hour is now here. That's a huge, huge term in John's Gospel. For the basically the first 10, 11 chapters of John's Gospel, Jesus kept saying, my hour is not here. It's not yet my hour. When my hour gets here, it's going to be really big. And finally, today says, now. Now is my hour. Now is the hour in which I want to die for the salvation of all people. The Jews, the Greeks, the pagans, everybody. I want to reveal to them my love. And by these Greek people being good Greeks, asking good questions, that created the space where Jesus' hour could take place. It's interesting that they went to Philip and felt comfortable with him and Andrew. We don't know exactly why, because they were probably pretty self-conscious, and they would have stood out. But perhaps it's because they had some Greek roots themselves. Philip and Andrew are the only two Greek names in the list of the Twelve Apostles. They also were from Bethsaida, which is up in the north of Galilee, and it's there was a lot of ethnic mixing going on compared to closer to Jerusalem at that time. But for whatever reason, these apostles, being themselves, created a space where these Greeks could ask their question, which then introduced Jesus' hour. When we accept who we are, we try to live the way God made us to be in all our uniqueness, we can become a bridge for other people to encounter God. Of course, the temptation is for us to try to live someone else's life rather than our own. We deal with jealousy, we deal with envy, or we just try to really fit in and be popular and do whatever is trending just for the sake of being like everyone else. That uniformity is actually not very healthy. It's an obstacle, in fact, to God's plan. Even our own weaknesses are providential. St. Paul talked about this over and over again. He even bragged about his weaknesses. God gave him certain gifts and didn't give him certain gifts, and that's part of God's plan. That's how to how we work together for God's kingdom with our strengths and our weaknesses. I meet with young adults to talk about priesthood, which is my main ministry. I have to emphasize over and over again that there's no one personality type called to the priesthood. That's true for every vocation. Some of us may be more like those Greeks and the Italians I mentioned earlier. We're vivacious, we're lively, we're sociable, we're extroverts. Other of us may have had more Germanic or Nordic roots, and so we're a little more reserved, a little more organized, a little more intentional about the way we live our lives. And that's a good thing. God can work through that. By embracing who we are, God will use us to help other people experience his kingdom. Now, of course, being ourselves shouldn't be an excuse to just not work on our bad habits or sinful acts. It's not an excuse to be eccentric in kind of an attention-seeking way or in a way that's really just kind of veiled rudeness, disregarding others. We're called to be ourselves as God made us and to let our light shine in the world. The second lesson from our gospel today is the importance of sacrificial love. Did you notice the Greeks asked to see Jesus? So Philip and Andrew take this question to them. And then Jesus kind of launches into a lecture on being 
loving, unsacrificial of the grain of wheat falling to the ground and dying, which produces abundant harvest. We never even know, actually, if the Greeks got to talk to Jesus. It doesn't really say in the Gospel. It leaves it open-ended. And there perhaps is even a lesson there. As if to say, as if Jesus was trying to say to his apostles, if they live a lifestyle of sacrificial love, the Greeks will be able to see Jesus. They'll be able to encounter God in them, sharing love, true sacrificial charity in the world. The Greeks in our world today, the Gentiles, the pagans, to use the biblical terminology, the people who are far away from God, who are questioning, who are seeking, they'll encounter God if we live Jesus' lifestyle of sacrificial love. We're willing to give up some of our own preferences and our plans and do what he's asking of us to do. And of course, that's where the real tension takes place in the Christian life. On one hand, we're called to be ourselves, to embrace our uniqueness, to live it passionately. And then at the same time, we're called to be willing to give up some of our preferences and plans and opinions for the sake of showing God's love to other people. And so it takes time sometimes to sort out what we're called to do, how we're called to live, to both be ourselves and to sacrifice for other people. It's not always easy to figure that out, but it's a tension worth hanging on to and worth entering into because that's how God's love is revealed in the world. One final thought for our reflection today is the importance of living life with hope. Jesus was talking about his impending suffering and death and talked about the fact there's going to be moments where we're going to hate our life in this world. In every single vocation, priesthood, religious life, marriage, single life, every vocation, there are certain tasks and chores, certain seasons of life. We're going to hate certain things we have to do, certain parts of our daily grind. But Jesus invites us to have a hopeful attitude towards them, keeping in mind the resurrection at the end, the life of heaven. The first readers of John's Gospel would have needed to hear this message. It was a time of persecution. Many of them had to sacrifice a very comfortable life, their social standing to be followers of Jesus. Some of them even would eventually experience martyrdom. But Jesus' words were an encouragement to them to keep filled with hope, no matter the suffering they were going through, trusting that God was still working, even they probably felt like giving up in certain moments. Today's readings invite us to stand out, to stand out in the way we live life with hope, to stand out in the way we reveal Christ's sacrificial love in the world, to stand out in the way we're not afraid to be ourselves and to live the life God put us here to live. At the end of our lives, we want to look back and say that we live life in all of its uniqueness. We live the personality and gifts that God had given to us. We don't want to look back and say we spent our entire life trying to be somebody else, living someone else's life, just trying to simply fit in. That's a really exhausting and painful way to live. Then we come to Mass and we give thanks for the call we've received to be apostles of Jesus to be that bridge for people in our world today who are seeking God or asking to see Jesus. 
How will we stand out this week in the way we show charity and hope to others?